Come, come, ye saints, no toil nor labor fear, but with joy wend your way. This interview is a joint production of Mormon Stories Podcast and Gay Mormon Stories Podcast. To check out the video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Mormon Stories. To keep these podcasts alive, please consider a financial contribution today at mormonstories.org and gaymormonstories.org. And thanks for listening. Lolly, how has it been difficult? Or has it sort of been a fairy tale? Being in a mixed orientation marriage? You know, we've had some struggles and I think that it would be very unfair to say that it's all been like butterflies and rainbows because that's not the case um, but honestly I don't know what marriage doesn't go through its challenges but I mean specifically to being uh, being involved in a mixed orientation marriage um, yeah, we've definitely had some some struggles but nothing that was a even remotely considering like being a deal breaker or it was when we came up to them it was if a challenge came it was like okay let's get together let's figure out how we're going to get through this and and whenever we get through challenges we always end up being stronger after it's all right. said and done like okay well that was a rough time but it was never a him against me or we were always united. Yeah, in those and tried to figure out, okay, well, this this presents a unique situation to us. What are we going to do about it? And I think that that comes to, Josh tells me everything. Mm. Like, he comes, he talks to me, you know, about any concern always, he has. anything, everything. Our community, yeah, that is a, that's a very important component of our relationship is uh, perpetual full disclosure, always, and... I think it's a crucial element of how our marriage functions. And I think one thing that I have done is, I mean, since we did have all those years of just being friends, sometimes when he talks to me about issues that are hard for me to hear, I almost step back and I'm like, okay, I'm viewing this as your friend Lolly, not your wife Lolly, and we're going to work through this together. Mm -hmm. And that helps me, like, to not get emotionally, like... Um, hurt unnecessarily by something. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. So, I, what I know about mixed orientation marriages is that some of the difficulties have to do with number one, making sex work and have it not be an unsatisfying experience for either of you. Mm-hmm. Second is the 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 same sex attracted partner. Sometimes being attracted to other people, mm-hmm. sometimes being unfaithful in the marriage, mm-hmm. and and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's basic, you know, being deceptive and mm-hmm. and um, and just getting along. So, yeah. have you had to deal with yeah. any of that I stuff? I think that's important. Like one, the sex issue has not been an issue right. for us. Like it's not. Ever. We've we've maintained and always had a good intimate relationship. Um, which I know is not the case. We, it's I mean, we've talked to a lot of people, and so uh, yeah, we've talked to a lot of people, both straight and gay. You know, and mixed orientation marriages and straight. Straight. And so I mean, it's kind of a you can find that problem in lots of different marriages, but that's not something that we've had a problem with. 
Um, and I think so. That sex has never been a, a real. No, it's not been a real issue. Uh, I, I I think you said that you guys have a, a sex life that maybe is on par with or better than many of the straight couples right. you know. Oh, yeah. Right. See, that's mind-blowing to us straight people sure. who sure. like sex. We're like, well, how <laughs> is like this, what are you doing? Like, how, how is, is this possible? Happening? Well, if you could get our friends in here and interview them, they would say the <laughs> like, same uh, thing like, know. about us because they know it's true. <laughs> it's true. Your friends know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we talk. You know, you friends know. talk. Yeah, sure, sure. So. And, and most of them didn't know about this in our marriage, so we would just talk about sexuality in general. Right. But right. I think that there are a few things that helped us in that arena, and the main thing was that as we, we were very, uh, we had very low anxiety as we engaged in the sexual component of our relationship. So we had very high levels of trust and very, and we were able to have very low performance anxiety for lack of a better term, you know. So it was like we were going to be okay with whatever happened. So the pressure was very much off. So there was, and I think I can imagine that what happens is that I could t completely imagine there being kind of a spiral effect if, if, there did, if there was this kind of feeling of pressure and then there was uh, some mishap in the bedroom in the initial stages and then that becomes like, okay, this is not working, you know, like I think we have a problem and then the problem kind of augments itself over time and becomes maybe bigger than it really actually is. Uh, and, and we I, avoided that completely. Yeah. In well, fact, we yeah, I don't think we were a go from the beginning. You know, like we did not have the I don't know. How but to I say think what some I'm of that does have to do with like the spouse, the heterosexual spouse. How are they viewing themselves? Right. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because if if you're going into it like, oh, he's not attracted to me. What's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And I just kind of was like. We're gonna make this work, you know. Like you're gonna love this, and right. I had confidence in myself, right. and that even if something it doesn't work at the beginning, we'll make it. We'll make it work, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that lack of pressure actually made it so it did work from the beginning, and so. Yeah, I was. I mean, there's a. I think that there's like a learning curve in sexuality for oh, everyone, for sure. and so it gets doesn't better over time. Doesn't everybody get better at it, you know? Yeah. But uh, but and also intimacy. Uh, so David Schnarch, uh, love his research, and reading his research in grad school was the first time I kind of understood maybe what was happening in my own marriage, where I was like, oh, it's about connection, you know, like, there is a component of sex when sex is done well in, a, in an intimate relationship that is about the intimacy and the connection, uh, maybe even more so than the uh, physical bodies involved or whatever, so... So, so, you know, one question that people often ask is, does the same-sex attracted partner have to visualize someone of the same sex during, mm -hmm. during romantic moments to be able to be aroused, to be able to uh, engage in that type of stuff? Mm -hmm. Is that... No. That's not what you have to do. For me, no. In fact, to the contrary, if there ever was a time where that happened, you know, accidentally kind of occurred, it was not the, you know, it was like, it was like we would process. It was not, it felt very incongruent and not good. And so, no, that's really not, hasn't been required, nor is it even like, 
Males are very tactile. You know, there's a, there are ways. There is. I guess if you can stimulate uh, yourself, right? <laughs> heterosexual or not, right? Someone else could mm-hmm. could do the same. But Precisely. I know that that I've ta- I've heard other people right. say that you know they do have. To We've picture. had friends that like literally could not perform in that way unless they were picturing someone else. Uh, someone of the same gender. You know, so I see why that concern would be raised. But for for us, for whatever reason, that has not been the case. And Lolly, the the stereotypical concern for someone in your shoes vicariously is that, you know, a woman wants to be loved. She wants to be ravished. She wants the man to think she's, you know, yeah. something, uh, you know, really sensual. And she wants to feel adored and like she's beautiful. And having a man who isn't naturally attracted to you or to your gender could could cause you to have issues of Mm self-esteem and could cause you to not be fulfilled you know something that's just completely overlooked in in mormon discourse and probably american discourse is female sexuality Mm -hmm. and how important sexuality is to women not just men and people would say oh it's too bad for lolly you know she has to sort of get the scraps and be with the man who's not really attracted to her Mm -hmm. and and not be with someone who thinks she's hot yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, when I hear that, it actually kind of makes me mad because it's like saying that I don't have any self-esteem and that I kind of settled. Like, well, I guess I'm not going to get anybody, so I'll settle for Josh. And I'm like, what? That is so <laughs> not the case. You know, it was not. I remember having conversations with my roommates at one point, and all of them were worried that they wouldn't get married. And I was the only one that was like, of course I'm going to get married. I don't know why you're worried. I never thought I was settling because I didn't think I'd find anybody else. I was just never anything. I've always had really good self-esteem. And, I, you know, where that came from, I don't know. My parents did a great job of telling me that I was wonderful and that I was worth it and that and and I didn't have... I don't know. I, I think I was just really blessed. And so that is not an issue. And in terms of, like, wanting to feel, you know, hot and beautiful. Yeah. And sexually would, desired. Yes. And like, being sexually fulfilled. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, that was my I, that was my main concern in marrying Josh was, like, I wanted to be sexually fulfilled. I think it's important. I think it's part of the plan of happiness. I really do. Like, we are meant to be sexually fulfilled. There's purpose for that. And so um, I went into this thinking, okay, we're going to make that, we're, it, it's going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that does come from how I'm viewing it. Because, you know, with women, sexuality is so much in their head. You know what I mean? You're performing, you're, thinking, you're having thoughts, and that's where the attraction, that's where a lot of the fulfillment is coming from, is from what's happening in your head. And so... I just watch what I'm telling myself, and I there's something incredibly amazing to the fact of what Josh said earlier, where he says that I'm the only woman that he'd ever want to have sex with. I mean, what woman wouldn't want to hear that from their spouse? Like, I, I wouldn't even want that. And so I'm looking at the positives, and and I'm not sitting there worrying about, oh, he'd rather be with with someone else. Because honestly, anybody could do that. Right. Like, 
you know, I've got friends who they find out that their husbands are like really deep into pornography, and I they're they're there thinking my husband doesn't want me. He doesn't want this body. He wants those supermodels. He wants those those girls he's looking at on 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 the internet. And then they find themselves in that, like, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, this isn't who he wants. And I just think women in general, we can't go there. Like, it's, it's, we are who we are, we need to be proud of it. We can't sit there and worry about thinking, oh, I'm not his ideal. Because I am his ideal. Totally. He wouldn't have chosen me if I wasn't the package that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And I th- think, honestly, if we are all being really true to ourselves, who married their ideal in every way, physically even? I don't think anybody has. I'm sure somebody has. Well, I'm sure. Okay, so maybe someone married, you know, some amazing supermodel. But even then, there would be more. Yeah. But I'm right. sure That's they're lacking. There's emotional, there's yeah. spiritual, totally, there's totally. personality, mm-hmm. there's compatibility. Yeah, yeah. And, even, and even talking strictly physical, right. I think... The majority of people kind of settle, <laughs> but and is it settling? Yeah. It's not settling. Right. It's That's the whole they point trade it. Is like you get a package, you, you get a human being, you know, yeah. like a, a a holistic person, you know, and breaking it down to these parts and examining and and juxtaposing certain components is going to lead yeah. to disappointment. I mean, you you are, are choosing a person. You are to not love. your sexual orientation right. at all. That is not who Josh is. Right. And so I'm not going to be focusing on that while we're being intimate. Right. You know. And so for those who who worry about your fulfillment, you would say I say it's I appreciate the concern everyone, <laughs> but I am very fulfilled. And I think that maybe if they're so concerned about my fulfillment, I would wonder why. Why are they so concerned about that? Well, maybe they care about you or they just yeah. and they, so that's why maybe I they say know they loved ones <laughs> right. who might have sacrificed. And, and see, that's it, because they may have seen someone in a situation where they're not being fulfilled and that's painful and that's a that is a hard place to be because I think it's a really important part of marriage. And so when people ask me about this, you know, I've had women write to me and talk to me and say, you know, I'm considering entering into a marriage like yours. And they would tell me the specifics. And if, and I would, I would always tell them intimacy is a huge part of it. So you've got to be aware of that and you've got to talk about that and you have to know where you're at and what's going to happen for you. So I and I, I really do feel bad for people that aren't feeling fulfilled. So it's a legitimate concern. Okay, so on to probably the most explosive part of your story that you guys are more aware of the reactions than anybody else. Um, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you guys, I'm like, I'm believing it. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I love this couple. Like, <laughs> they're happy, and we need happy marriages. And they're making it work. Bless them. Hooray. Like, yeah. I'm like loving it, right? I'm so happy. You know, as totally. a therapist, there, there are hard marriages everywhere. Right. And here's a couple that's happy. Right. I don't think anybody who's reasonable doesn't wish you guys the absolute totally. best, right? Totally. But, um, you know, the obvious reaction to what you guys have done by coming out 
is, on the one hand, it's, it's an act of authenticity. It's like, hey, we exist. Right. We exist. And I've, I've read your original blog post, and I, I believed from the very beginning that you were very responsible in saying, this works for us, mm-hmm. but we're not holding ourselves up as a role model totally. for anybody. Totally. So that was from the beginning. Yeah. So you obviously thought about that, right? Yeah. And yet, I mean, as I'm sitting here watching you, there's a part of me that, that goes, oh, well, this is totally doable. This is completely doable. If, if I've got a gay son, and I have a son, I have no idea if he's gay, he's eight, right. eight years old. Right. If he's gay, we'll just find him a soulmate when he's 16, yeah. get them to really connect and be close, have them live the gospel and, and pray and, and listen to the Lord. He'll go on a mission, he'll come home, she'll fall in love with him, they'll get married, um, they'll communicate really well. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll not bring any anxiety to the marriage. And so they'll be able to be intimate in every way. And they'll have this sweet, tender relationship just like you. And that's what, as I've heard, thousands of parents of gay and lesbian Mormons across the country have done with your story. They've sent the story to their gay or lesbian child and said, look, they're doing it. You guys need to try harder. Try harder. Yeah. And did you anticipate that that would happen? And then what has been your... How have you experienced the response? Okay. Um, so, first of all, even as you were describing that scenario with your child, my anxiety was raising. <laughs> like, it is... Uh, life is not formulaic in that way period you know yes we have templates and we have things that we can look at and and, but that's just not how life works but anyway to so our intentions in posting a blog post on my then like i had like 300 subscribers a humor blog of the most ridiculous you know like just like satirical totally dumb posts that that i found, found funny you know uh, and our, our intention at that time was very microcosmic and very just like we felt like we needed to be public and when I say public I mean our public mm-hmm. public within our sphere like, like our, we our needed steak. to we needed to <laughs> out ourselves and start t- talking about this in a real way and, and we had had very we had had 10 years where that was not the case where we felt very clearly that we should be very private and I did some, we did some writing anonymously and had, and attracted some attention at times. And we're, we were very much like, meh, you know, like anytime that even started to happen, it did not feel right at all. Um, but then, yeah, it was last, it's about a year ago now mm-hmm. that we started to really feel that number one, it was important for me to be authentic and to not be ashamed of this circumstance in my life. And that we just, we just felt like it was, I don't know how to and put it I into mean, words. There was a lot of things, because a lot there of people ask us things. this question, like, why and we have several answers. Yeah. come out, you know, and, and it depends on which audience we're talking to, because there were multiple things we were thinking when we did it. Right. Um, one was, yeah, that Josh wanted to be authentic, too, was that it, this was going to come out somehow, eventually, because he was starting to tell 
we were starting to tell more people. I had, and I had just started, I had just decided, after a long kind of, in my own therapy, I had just started my private practice and hadn't, uh, I, I have not been practicing for very long. And I had just come to the conclusion after a lengthy kind of deliberation that I was like, I think I do. I, I, I would like to perhaps work with the population of people who are gay and trying to reconcile that with their religion. And as I do that, I want that I would like to be, I would like to disclose where I'm coming from so that they know who they are talking to, so that my clients felt, would feel empowered to know what, what they are paying for in therapy with me. And so that was like... We didn't want it to we didn't want. Out. I didn't want to tell a client and then have a client, you know, tell a good friend that we've known for like seven years and have people find out in these weird, circuitous ways that, you know, this very important part of our lives and so Yeah, and so... That was a consideration. We started thinking, and then when you... We really started contemplating, what is this going to mean for us once our family and all of our friends and everyone knows? And, you know, it starts to get scary and, like, well, what are people in the ward going to think? And mm-hmm. and it got to the point where I was like, why should, why should this even be happening? Why should we right. be concerned about what people are thinking of you. Why shouldn't you be able to talk about this more openly? And this is the problem. So I started to realize that there's, there's, there's not enough people talking about this. We shouldn't be scared to ta- talk about this issue. And the more we started thinking about it, the more we thought, okay, you can just be honest about this. Let's just... And so then we were like, well, how are we going to tell our people? <laughs> so we contacted the people, we knew, sources we knew at the time, and we're like, is there anything happening? We heard about... Kendall Wilcox's thing and contacted him, but that didn't happen, you know. We're like, I guess that might not be, you know, we were just trying to find, like, how are we even going to do this? And then finally we were just like... We'll just post it on your blog. We're going to post it on the blog, you know, and just throw it out there, and then all, everyone we know, everyone in our stake, and everyone on our, like, all our Facebook friends will, will be able to read our words and not hear it from the rumor mill, but be able to read what we are saying and know where we're coming from. And so... Did you have a sense that it would become sort of a national story? Oh, not no. in the slightest. You like, didn't. zero. Because we yeah, you're not the only mixed orientation. Right. No. We'd known, right? like, we've known various. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, our good friends had been kind of on the news before, and he was always, he was open. They have since divorced, but, you know. So we had seen mixed orientations kind of, marriages kind of be more public and we had no <laughs> sense we thought it was kind of a passe story like you know here we go like yeah. ooh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even a, a gay man is married to a woman wow <laughs> you know like <laughs> i think we still find ourselves being like why do people care right, so much about right. us like, like even after we? the initial months uh you know because it so we published it and then it went like super major viral and um Within like the next day after posting Within that it, night, yeah. I mean, we were getting. We posted calls. it, went to a show, and came home, and it was already <laughs> just like proliferating, and uh, it was unreal. We woke up the next morning, and it was just like we were in a different world, and we're it, still in yeah, that. We are currently <laughs> in that different world, like in this moment. But, I mean, it was just yeah. unreal. But I mean, to go back to this, did we think people were going to use our story in the way that they have, right. like? No, no, we didn't think that. And it actually makes me... I, I have sat awake trying to figure out ways to 
stop that from happening right. because I feel a responsibility. Like, And obviously we had a sense of that possibility because we talk about it on a very smaller, in much smaller scale. Like within our community, we were like, listen, this is not being, you know, like we were, but yeah. What were you going to say, Lolly? Sorry, I, I interrupt no, constantly. We, Continue yeah. to like okay, interrupt right. me as okay. I do that. We interrupt each other, so we have a lot to say. Um, you know, I, I do think it's important to get this voice out there that we are not saying that this is right for everyone. And in fact, when I contemplate the idea of saying my daughter coming to me and saying, I'm marrying someone that's gay, I would be very concerned. I, I would be. You know, just there were things I would want to know. There were questions I'd want to ask. I'd want to know what their expectations were, how they, you know, what were they thinking was going to happen, how their communication was. And so I, to put that kind of pressure on someone to expect that everyone could achieve what we have I, is totally unfair and unreasonable. Not realistic at all. And does not account for the fact that People are living their own lives. Everyone is living their own journey, and it will look... They're all so, going to be so different, and there's no, like... It pains me, because I've heard people ask things like... Uh, I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's things like... I think Kendall Wilcox, to mention him again, asked the question... Uh, do you feel like you're like better, better than, or living the gospel better, or more righteous than me or other people? And that thought just like it pains my soul to think that someone might think that. There is no, we do not, as human beings, have the capacity to look at two different lives and evaluate what is happening there, you know? Like, we are seeing snapshots of each other, essentially, in a moment of time. We, we don't have the comprehension of history, nor futuricity, I'm making <laughs> up a word, but, you know, like, we do not have the ability to look at someone's life and evaluate that life in any way, really. We are commanded not to judge each other, and there's a reason for that. It's because we can't. We have no ability to do that, nor should we. And to think that someone might f worry about worth or themselves as they look at another story or at my story or our story is very, very troubling and makes me sad. It makes oh. me... Um, and I think that that just is a reflection on Mormonism as a whole, and I think we do this so much and it's bad. We look at each other and we see what we want to see and we make ideals and we create realities that aren't even real and we start trying to fit each other and ourselves into boxes when it's not healthy and it's not good right. and so I see people doing that and I think the thing that's been most frustrating is when we posted this post the thing the main message we were trying to get at is you know what if you know someone that's gay love them no matter what don't try and force anything on them accept them for who they are and what they're doing and accept that you don't understand what their life has been like and that they are doing 
what feels right to them and what is they and they are doing the best they can and that if they are gay and in the church they've probably gone through some hard things and some hard moments and love them no matter what love them uh not just like say the words i love you but like actively love embrace accept them and especially for who and what they parents are, right? i just you know they have permission to love their child no matter what right. no matter what life path they choose like if they leave the church yes. if they partner with another yes. same-sex yes. person embrace yes. yeah you embrace bear them. your child like your duty is to love them and make them feel worthwhile no matter what they choose and like that is the message i would love to get out there like one homosexuality is real two people don't choose that and three no matter what choices are made we should be loving everyone and so when other things come in it's kind of sad to us because we're like it's not what it's we so wanted it's so antithetical <laughs> to the message that we would like to get across and and uh, but people i mean it's like you were describing like even even as you hear the story even you you were saying even i like kind of feel this thing and so it's like i think this normal human tendency to be like you know like well my close friend is gay and, and i just saw this amazing story and you know to send it but then i, I will talk to people who are like yeah when you came out i got that story like <laughs> 12 times from 12 different people you know and, and it's someone who's partnered and maybe has a kid or, you know what i mean like living a very different totally content in their life like not needing to have our story kind of like thrust upon them a multiplicity of times and you know so just i guess it was a uh uh natural byproduct of the the public nature of what ended up happening but it is an unfortunate one for sure and one that we have tried hopefully <laughs> i think that we've had some good moments um we, uh probably for me the best moment in terms of of mitigating that was uh circling the wagons the one of the circling the wag wagons conferences i was able to speak and just really just like say 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 that we're sorry for any pain that it's caused and that we we love you you know a hundred percent and mean it and so that was a good moment to be able to do that it was a beautiful speech and for our listeners um circlingwagons.org is the website where you can hear um not only josh's presentation but many other really good Awesome. presentations from many different sides trying to explore mm -hmm. this issue and and find a way to love and support everybody mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i want to so i appreciate you making that statement very clearly that you don't want to be a role model mm -hmm. Let, let's explore how how you look at it in terms of risk so do you have a sense i have a sense for my data mm -hmm. our data but do you have a sense for the divorce rates in mixed orientation marriages? Yes and no. Okay. I, I think that the data. I think that I think it's good. We have some data. Yeah. I'm really glad that you have data. <laughs> like, awesome. Like, yeah. there's data happening now, right. and this is a good thing. I think that the uses of the world, most of the uses of the world, are still completely 
taciturn and secreted and hiding. And so the data is not going to be able to reflect completely accurately the statistics of, of success rates and whatnot. Right. And so... I mean, from our point of our view, stance, having yeah. come out, we got lots of, we received we lots of emails, it. lots of communication from people saying, we're in your same situation, right. Don't but tell we a can't soul. tell anybody. We're not telling a thanks soul, for but we're doing good and we're happy and you, you know, thanks for kind of representing this segment of the population. A but, surprising number, though not like, yeah. uh, you know, not huge number, but a I was surprised by that. Dozens number. or hundreds? More, more than, maybe no, not hundreds. Not hundreds, but more than dozens. Okay. So, But yeah. at the same time, my best friend growing up, the one I was with when we met Josh for the first time, married a man that was gay and they're divorced. You know, I we we have seen a lot of mixed orientation marriages divorce in end in divorce as well. So right. you know, I wouldn't know what the statistics are. Right. So I, I here I am it answering here risk, I am though. what's yeah. that? It is high risk. So here I am answering my own question a little bit, but sure. the, from the research I've done, and these are always estimates, totally. population estimates, and I'm not just talking about our survey data, but just what general see. general yeah. studies. I've seen the number put at anywhere between kind of 60 to 75 percent. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So kind of up to a, a three-quarters chance right. of it failing right. sort of from the start. Right. Um, our, our data show that 30% um, that of our 1,600 that um, that reported to be same-sex attracted to Mormon, 30% of our sample uh, reported entering into um, a mixed orientation marriage, mm -hmm. and that um, at the time of the survey, 57%, 57, 58% had already been divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's at a, at, a, at a mean average of about, let's just say, 13 years, okay, right. reportedly. Right. So when divorce happens, it happens, it looks like around 13 to 15 years into the marriage. Mm -hmm. But that's just the mean for our current sample. Right. We know that sometimes things can come in waves, and especially once the kids are gone, yeah. some people that are hanging on could then let go at that point. Right. So I don't think it's unreasonable to think that with our sample, which again is not a random sample, but it's sure. it's the most representative and largest sample I've it's ever seen. Right. Not just within Mormonism, but probably Period. outside of Mormonism. Right. Um, it's looking like it's going to be anywhere between sixty and seventy-five percent. Okay. So that's, you know, when you look at the fact that first marriages, you know, there's this common perception that fit half half of all marriages end in divorce. Mm -hmm. That's not quite true. Right. What what we find is that um, about forty percent of first marriages end in divorce, but about 60 survive. Mm -hmm. It's those divorces that lead to second, third, and fourth right. divorces mm -hmm. that bring the average down. Right. So if you're looking at a first marriage, you're looking at about a 60% success rate. Right. And, it's and, look, and it's looking like if you're in a mixed orientation marriage, that's like a 25% success rate potentially or a 75% failure rate. Risky? Yeah. Do you Absolutely. guys say it's risky? I, Absolutely. Yeah. It is risky. Uh, Very risky, like whoa. alarmingly risky. Like the question that I formulated, I'm sorry, I'm going do on it, here. Do it, do it, do If the Surgeon General was going to issue, put a label on mixed orientation marriage, yeah. would it be a big red label saying warning mixed orientation marriages can be hazardous to your health? Yeah, I think so. I do. I, I do think I, so. I do think so. I um, think, yeah, that would be fair to say. Right. I do have some thoughts though. Yeah, please. 
So, but but you do say oh. beware. Oh, Absolutely. for sure. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think that ties into the thoughts that I'm having. Okay. Is uh, the the numbers that we're looking at are marriages often entered into with wildly inappropriate expectations of what a mixed orientation should and can become or look like or what sexuality can do, you know. So these are marriages where it's coming from kind of that stance that I even I was in, within, uh, like, in the early 90s where it's like, and if you get married, you're going to be okay, and then everything will turn out fine. And, and so, these, so people are entering into these unions with an expectation that in some cases, and probably many cases, that the homosexual component of that marriage will over time either diminish or disappear entirely. And when that doesn't happen, that's got to be very painful and that's going to affect, affect things. And so, um, so... And you... Well, sorry. You oh, you... Oh, I was just going to say, so 100%, I would say, marriages under those pretenses, do not do it. Like... It is not a panacea to homosexuality, and it is not really going to change, you know, your homosexuality at all. Like, you, it is not, marriage is not a solution to a problem. Marriage is something different than that, completely and totally. And so, um, so, yeah, I think that... I think that that's something that maybe would be wise to take into account as we're looking at those numbers, you know, but that is, in fact, as I look at that, I'm like, how are 25% of those marriages surviving, you know, like, how is that even happening? And maybe they're not, because it's, a, again, moment in time, and there's still probably many, many years for those marriages to live, and perhaps they will, in fact, end in divorce eventually, but, um, so, gosh, I don't know. I think, too, with time, like, I mean, in the church and in society, we've come a long way. I mean, obviously not far enough, but um, I feel like, you know, 50 years ago, there were, and even now, mixed orientation marriages, you find a lot of them where the, the, the spouse that was homosexual didn't even tell their spouse right. that they were gay. And that has got to be a huge factor in it, too. Like. Right. And people feeling that, like, they can't even explore themselves who they are. They can't accept that. Society is, in general wasn't accepting of it. And so they feel like, I have no other choice but to get married. And so, I mean, I don't know what the age of, you know, the sample you're looking at. But I'm sure that affects it, too. And even young couples that we've seen, they've gotten married. And one of the spouse, the spouse that was straight had no idea. I don't know who you're talking about. But no, I'm yeah. just, I can think, I mean, of, think of a lot general, of different yeah. people. And if they don't talk about it beforehand, yeah. that can lead to trust right. issues right. that can it ma make you be. feel like the marriage was built on a false yeah. foundation. Absolutely. So a lot of people are finding themselves in a situation where they unwittingly have entered into that circumstances and their, it's circumstance and they're trying to figure out like what. Do we rebuild our relationship? Do we kind of call it quits and move forward in other ways? And, you know, it's complex and very messy. And, and yet what people could say is, okay, well, as long as you have the right expectations, then you'll be okay. <laughs> but again, you're not saying that. Right, right yeah. Wow. It's like, it's this delicate balance because on the one hand, I'm like, 
you know what? There's so much involved and so much risk involved that it's like... And you could never expect what's going to happen to you anyway. Right, right. Like, but at the same time, people are entering... I think one of the things that we feel is like, these marriages are happening, you know? Like, people are doing it for whatever reason. And I think that... Um, I think there might be some value in educating those people that have made that choice. I mean, it's all about choice, right? Every single person is making a choice with what they're doing. And I, I think it's of value to educate people in whatever choice that they're making, even if it is this choice. And part of that education is exactly what you're saying. Look at this data, you know, like, take it seriously. Like, this is a uh, genuine statistical analysis, and it's not... You can't. Numbers are not lying to you. You know. So you guys could look at the look at the person in the eyes and say, "Danger! Be careful! Caution!" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would look at our own children and say that. Would we say, "Never, never do this"? No, because this is happening. You know, this free is working will, right? for us, and free will, and let's respect everybody's decision making, and also. There is some small, maybe infinitesimally minute possibility that it might be the right thing for that person. Who knows? But absolutely, like Lolly said, if our child was considering a mixed orientation marriage, um, we would not be like, cool. You know, (laughs) like, we would be really, really concerned and much like her parents, very, like, helping them to explore kind of what they're doing and talking it through and, and, and talking through numbers and talking through what it means and, yeah. but then ultimately still allowing them to make, make the, the choice, choice that feels right to them. So I have a quote from a friend who was in a mixed orientation marriage and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And she wrote, I'd love to know what they would say to someone like me. Did I just not have enough faith? Am I not as good a person as Laurel? How do they explain the overwhelming failure rate of mixed orientation marriages? And do they think that anything they could teach people would help? Mm. Is it just that most people are sex-obsessed and selfish, or are they just lucky? And what would you say to this person who comes to you, Laurel, and says, I I really did try, and we really did communicate, Mm -hmm. and we really loved each other, and Heavenly Father told me to do it, Mm. and it's failed? You know, I would definitely say I would never think that. What was it that she said? Am I just not as righteous? That I would never think that. Like, we have a really, really good friend that they have divorced, and I mean, she's an amazing individual who I know gave it her all. And I don't think she was deceived when she went into marrying him. I I think that I don't think she regrets necessarily. The decision, um, so and, and that's hard. I would never think that we're more righteous, and that's why we're making it work. Um, so lucky, in some ways. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely. I, I, yeah. Blessed, perhaps. You know. I, I mean, lucky this is, slash blessed. This, this, that's tricky because then they say, yes. "Why didn't God bless them?" Totally. This is, the right? this is where it's like, yeah, where it does I'm thinking of a friend that is struggling right now because she was abused as a child. You know what I mean? And so when she hears things, she's like, well, what, am I not as loved by God, you know, to have been given a childhood where I wasn't abused, you know? And so when I say, I don't want to say we're blessed because then it does make it seem like 
favored. that other people aren't as blessed. Less yeah, favored. That, yeah, and that I don't right. think that's the case, and I don't I don't understand right. sometimes like. I I don't know. This is this is very interesting. It's a very good question because at the, I think it. Because I do feel like we were, I don't. When I say that, I I I do not like the tendency that we all have to compare life journeys. You know, but we have to because we're living our lives, right? But like, um, when I say we were blessed, what I mean is we within the context of our story, independent of any other story, completely having everything to do with our relationship, personal to God, and not looking, not... It's like every single journey is its own entity. And and there are avenues in which I have been blessed, and avenues in which I have not been as blessed. And you... you you cannot compare two lives. It's just like, this is just, that's one of the things that I most strongly yeah. feel like, uh, you know, I have a blind eye, and most people have two eyes, you know? And I'm like, I would look at someone with two eyes and be like, you were blessed with two eyes. And I, you know, and, and I don't know if this comparison is even going to work. And so... Forgive me if it doesn't. If I we get to the end and well, like rejected, but like, uh, but I guess I I don't know. When I think about your friend who wrote that quote, and I right. think about my friend, and I think that it I can look at her and say, you know what? I know that God loves you as much as He right. loves me. Right. And, and that you 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 she's probably amazing. Yeah. And she probably gave her all. And, like, her situation makes me, you know, like, I am actually even getting emotional thinking about her sitting writing that question. She's probably awesome. And I... And maybe she's and still... And I think she's, you know, and, like, I, I would not... Our story does not reduce her awesomeness in her situation at all. We're just living our life over here doing our thing, <laughs> you know? And, like, and, and her amazingness as a human being is not informed in any way by what this thing that we're in is at all like period yeah i mean i I think about my best friend who's divorced now from her gay ex-husband i love them both a lot and they are still really good friends you know and i i think that that's just it is it's just life circumstances and i they are good people and for whatever reason, I, I we just we don't know why it doesn't work out. This is why comparison doesn't work. I, I look at my parents, and my dad is my mom got early onset Alzheimer's. She contracted it in her late forties, and she is fifty-seven, and she is losing her ability to do anything, and she. It is one of the most devastating things to watch, I mean, ever. Like, it is torture to watch. They have plans to go on missions. He's not even retired yet from CES. He still has, like, two years, but he's having to worry about, like, caring for her and whatnot. And somebody looking at lives in a comparative way could be like, wow, what did you do wrong, you know? Like, and it's just... I don't doubt 
the love that God has for my parents at all. Life is just messy and hard and things happen and we're all doing the best we can. We're all trying the best we can to live the lives that we need to live and hard things happen and good things happen. And we take the good and cherish it and we try and work through the hard and we're just all trying to support each other in this journey and, and, and that's... That's what it all comes down to. And that's why love is so important. That's why we have to just look at each other and not judge each other and just love each other truly, uh, deeply, actively, and without judgment, love each other and, and support each other in this journey of and life. And when you're saying not judge, I mean, I, talking about your friend that wrote that comment, like, no one has the right to judge her. No right. one has the right to judge her ex-husband. That's what it is. And sometimes I think people think we're too, like, Peter Priesthood, Molly Mormon, Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, because we say, we just need to love. And, right. But, but we're, we're being real here. And this is not even, like, just love them in a fake way. Like, I'll say hi to them at church and, and be civil. Like, we're saying, like, care about them. Find out about their lives. What do they need? Be their friend. Like, love them in a genuine way. Be accepting. Don't judge other people. Like, you I wish there was a better word. Yeah. It's so, like, it just doesn't, it's not adequate. <laughs> so I do, I feel bad for marriages that, you know, mixed orientations. Right. That, and I, no doubt they went through a ton of pain. And work. And are still, you know, going mm -hmm. through a lot of pain. And so that is, that's where we're saying, yeah, put that label on mixed orientation marriage. Be careful because there it's not, risk. there's a lot of risk and families are torn apart. Her grandma is still alive, you know. Yeah. And has been alone for yeah. My grandpa years. died of AIDS and was mm -hmm. never a part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, it is very risky and I see the she, effects it she tried my hard, you know, And I she, love my yeah. grandma. Like, right. I have a lot of respect for her, and and I don't think, yeah, I don't think you could put blame and point fingers. And right. Um. So I have a I have a few sort of um. I have a few sort of almost. You guys have done great so far. I really appreciate it. I have a few kind of almost, I want to say, political questions now that really don't have to do with okay. your story. Okay. There's just a lot of people that want to know your positions on certain types of things. Mm -hmm. So answer what you're comfortable answering, and if you want to say no comment. We've talked a lot we about this. We have been trying to decide ourselves. Okay. to be open. Because we, we have different, different feelings about it. Whether or not we should be open. Whether you should be open. <laughs> That. Let alone whether you agree on yeah. certain issues. We happen no, to agree. No, we, we agree together. I have the we same opinion on the actual issue. It's just, I feel well, like... Has, well, let's yeah, we'll let you go. <laughs> We're jumping the gun here. All right. So what would you say... Um, would you say that you support gay people or lesbian people who choose to enter into same-sex relationships? Do you, do you support that choice? Yes. I want people to find their truth yeah, and absolutely. their own happiness. That's that's not hard to answer at all. Yeah. Do you view that as a sin? To support their choice? To be in a same-sex relationship. I. Uh, this is... Okay. This is once again where we get to not comparing, right? 
I am not going to look at another person's life and say, what you are doing is a sin. Like, I am totally assessing your life circumstances right now, and you're messing it up. Stop that. No, no, no. Like, I am able to judge my own circumstances, and obviously I made a different choice than that. Draw whatever conclusion from that that you wish. But I will never look at someone and, and call them a sinner for the choices that they're making in that regard. I don't think that's appropriate at all. Does that lead to any concern about what you're taught? You know, being LDS, you're taught that it is a sin. I, so do you have to reconcile that, or is that something you just suspend? I have to reconcile that within myself and for my own life journey. But, but I do don't you, have to reconcile that for anybody else's life journey. Do you say, Heavenly Father, why are you calling that a sin? No. No. I don't say that. I think that your relationship with God is very personal. And I think, I truly believe that when you have a connection with God, and you take that to Him, and you are really wanting to do His will, He'll tell you what His will is. And I think it's different for different people. And guess what? It's not going to be me and Jesus Christ up there judging the gay population. It's not. So I don't even have to worry about it. My role is, hey, you're a great person. Yeah, let's be friends, you know. And for me, yeah, yeah, for Mm -hmm. me, I want to feel peace with my relationship with God. And that's what I'm concerned about is what I consider to be aligning myself with God. And I feel like that is actually very in line with the church. Like it. If you're looking at it, bare bones, church is all about agency. Church is all about personal revelation. Church is all about loving people unconditionally. I think the culture is getting confused about things, but when I stop and I think about that, that feels right to my soul. Like, that's so that's how I view it. So you don't think of them as engaging in sin. You think of what you believe for your own life but you think of them as what? You, when you think of a same-sex relationship that you see, what comes to your mind? That's a good question. What comes to my mind? Like, is it? Is it? It's. It's not sin. Yeah, so it is. I'm not, think, I'm not thinking about it in those terms at all. How about like, beautiful? How about awesome? We have friends who are in same-sex relationships, and yeah, like you know, absolutely. I'm like, glad that they're happy. Right. For sure. But? Is there a but to that? No, I'm just trying to formulate my thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's a tough question. Right, yeah. right. I know it's a tough I question. I mean, because right. really, when, when you're saying, like, so when we're looking at, you know, a same-sex couple, are we sitting there thinking, oh, they're sinning, they're sinning? And then I think back to, like, the Bible where Jesus says, you know, he who's without sin, you know, cast the first stone. Why should I be sitting there thinking, you're sinning, you're sinning, right. you're sinning? I think, that, I think that that's not even the, you know, like... I'm not even on that realm. Right. You know? Well, how about the realm of what a beautiful thing? I'm really happy for them. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. they have each other. Yeah. Can you can you say that? Yeah. yeah. I have a friend who has sought he he was seeking a relationship for many years and has has finally found one that he's been in for a while and and I am nothing but happy for him and them and you know like it's good. I just don't see how you could watch someone struggle and go through a life of pain and not feeling worthwhile and feeling lonely and then they find 
happiness right. in another individual and if you really love them not find a sense of joy right. in that and I just said good for them and I want to clarify that I mean that literally not like in the colleague we like right. good for them yes. like, I mean like yes. literally good, like, for good for that like that's good for them so this is a bit of a, a charge topic but sure. what are your positions on same-sex marriage <laughs> is that the is that, is that's the one is that the one you were scared like, yeah. to ask you well, we knew, we kind of knew it was going to happen, but I, I, we're going to make the decision. I have been hesitant in any media situation to answer that question just because I feel like these political choices are really personal and that, and I, I just feel like, I feel like I have felt the sense, whether it's real or not, that kind of both contingencies have wanted to have alignment from our situation you know right and and i honestly don't want to give either contingency that satisfaction uh and i, I would rather have people just come up with their own solutions for themselves <laughs> and come and, and decide for themselves what they think but in doing that it, i yeah i, I can't i, I people are going to jump to conclusions about what I'm talking about, you know, like which direction it goes. And so it's very kind of just like, and she's more like, let's just be real. So yeah. what do you think? I don't care if you're real. <laughs> <laughs> See, because he's so trepidatious, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't say what I think. I should have let you it's speak It's okay if you first. speak and he doesn't. That's All fine. right. We, well, yeah. we live in Washington state, you know, we voted on that and I voted on it and I did vote for marriage equality. Um, my feelings are, what I believe is, yes, I believe marriage is meant to be between a man and a woman. Do I think that that belief should be put into civil law? I don't think so. I've, I, in seeing the problems that have come from, like, um, what is it? The, what, what's the law I'm thinking of? I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry to leave you hanging. I, interracial marriage? No. Oh, the act, the yeah. Defense of Marriage Defense of Marriage Act. Act. Yeah, yeah, and how... The problems that it's created, I just don't think that it's fair. I think there's a lot of problems coming out from that. And I just think, you know, let's look at an individual that's never been religious in their life, that has found um, a same-sex couple and they want to get married and they have found children together. Found yes, someone they love. To spend yeah. their life together. A that's a lover. You know, and... They have built a life together and have children together. And I just don't understand how the law is saying it's okay for you to have children and be that unit, but it's not okay to be married. And so I f almost feel like it does more harm than good to fight it so much. Like, where's the agency in that? I'm just like, let's let everyone choose for themselves what works for them. And that's what America is about, right? So I voted for marriage equality. <laughs> and apparently I'm not commenting on what I voted for, though I did say we aligned our views about five minutes ago. But, you know, I know it's sensitive because I have friends that are, like, very, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and I respect what they're saying. This is my opinion. Mm -hmm. This is how I f view it. Okay. What about, uh, do, you have, do you have feelings or thoughts on um, allowing... Same-sex couples to adopt children. Have you thought about it? Do you have I haven't thought about it extensively. Not enough to have a position other yeah. than children need good parents. So cool, you know, like yeah. 
yeah. But yeah, I don't nothing that you just like opposed to it uh, instinctively. No. No. Do you think? Do you think gay, a gay couple could be good parents, mm-hmm. or a lesbian couple could be good parents? I do. I think they're capable of loving their children <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, uh, I really do feel like the ideal situation is to have a. I, I, I almost hesitate to say it because it is not PC to say this, but I do feel like the ideal situation for a child is to have a mother and a father and both gender roles being, you know, there is this ideal that exists that is rarely met for a lot of reasons. And so... So it's hard. I mean, I see. But but I absolutely think that... Yeah. I uh, do. I agree with you. A gay couple could be amazing. In fact, I know some that are incredible parents and do really, really well. So So we, in our our study, um, we asked about quality of life. And we analyze quality of life based on relationship status. So we started out, you know, averaged the mean quality of life score for single gay, gays and lesbians. And then mixed orientation marriage. And then divorced. And then, you know, same-sex marriage, but not legal. And then illegal same-sex marriage. And the, the comparison was really startling to me. Something that was completely surprising to me was that the, the people who reported being single and gay or lesbian or same-sex attracted um, reported a quality of life that was kind of awful. Right. Like Horrible. worse than rheumatoid arthritis and right. lupus. You know, like right. it, it really bad. Mm-hmm. That I didn't, I didn't anticipate. Now, I don't right. know if heterosexual single people also feel like their lives or, or report that are... they might. They might. Mm-hmm. But but that was the worst. Mm-hmm. A step up from that in our data was was mixed orientation marriages. Right. It was right around lupus mm-hmm. in terms of quality of life reported totally by the people. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you guys aren't like, no, that's that's odd to me. No, no, that's not. I mean, odd. that's not ours. Right, right, right. But I could okay. see that Absolutely. totally. Okay, so you like that makes sense that. to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then a step up, slight step up from that was divorce. Probably not significantly different. Mm-hmm. Then a significant step up was same-sex marriage non-legal. Mm-hmm. Like a significant step up. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. I've seen this. Stat- yeah, I've seen okay. the report. And then, and then for some reason you get a jump, and this could be selection bias, this could right. be sample bias. You get a jump up, and the only category that actually exceeded the national average for healthy mm-hmm. was legal same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. And does that all... Does that all seem what you would expect based on your experiences? Mm-hmm. I could see that, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, especially given what we were talking about in terms of the quality of the mixed orientation marriages that exist right now. Right. Like, yeah, lupus. I mean, like, right. it's a, I, okay. that would be a whole lot of not fun, specifically <laughs> thinking of that. And then, and then thinking of having your culture substantiate your relationship. First of all, no longer being single as an adult in the United States who wants to be married, I would imagine, would be really a, a bump up in quality of life for sure. Um, and then having that recognized and substantiated culturally as well, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, something that's sort of a little bit related. Um, being celibate 
versus being sexually active, mm -hmm. of all the factors that we analyzed based on what people reported, mm -hmm. was the single most significant factor in determining a positive versus a negative quality of life. Interesting. So like belief in God didn't really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Belief in Christ was actually a little bit negatively associated with quality of life, probably because people associated the Bible with judgment of, of right. their yeah. same-sex right. attraction. And then we did things like, you know, um, socioeconomic status and other types of factors. But the single biggest factor in terms of like, if you got it, you're like way happier, way higher quality of life. And if you don't have it, you have a way awful, more awful quality of life yeah. was being sexually active. Right. So for those who say that the church has three options, uh, you know, same-sex marriage excommunicated, mm -hmm. same-sex relationship excommunicated, mixed orientation marriage may not work for some people. Yeah. That leaves the option of celibacy. I, I don't know how you could comment on that, but do you have any thoughts about celibacy as an option? And what that, is that like, a lot of people would say to a, a gay or lesbian person, hey, we've all got, we've all got oh trials. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sometimes, you know, I sometimes really like French fries, right. you know? <laughs> I've heard stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, some totally. people have diabetes and yeah, yeah. you just don't get to have sex for your entire life. <laughs> the rest of your life, right. Thoughts? I think those people have no idea right. what they're talking well, about. Well, and this is the exact concept that I ha talked to my dad about at age 13. That is the distinction. You know, he was coming at me with like, oh, yeah, I have I have a hard time, too. And I was like, you know, and I, even at that age, I'm like, like, think it through. That is not going to be fulfilling, you know, that is a major component of life not being realized and, and another comparison i see people making is well what about the you know the heterosexual single population of the church they're celibate too yeah, but all the time but i was just recently talking to a friend of mine who is heterosexual and not married and we're the same age and i was like so what do you think about that comparison she's like no that there's no comparison she's like i still have hope that I can get married maybe someday. I can go on a date yeah. without being judged with someone. Yeah, that I'm so there, it's to. just not a fair comparison. And people so want, and even we're doing it here, you want to make a comparison right. that's going to help. But We want to understand things, and we understand things comparatively, and so it makes sense that people would. This compare, is why this is rough. Like, mm -hmm. I sit there and think about it, and I'm like, Ugh. I can see why people get really depressed over this issue this life circumstance all of that being said if lolly were to die tomorrow i think that there's a high probability that i would be celibate for the rest of my life at least you feel that way who knows what will happen yeah, that right. you know like you yeah. can't really say you know right. I, I i cannot say that with any level of certainty what if some people's what if some people are thinking well josh you just might not have much of a sex drive uh, incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, faults. All right. Thank you for joining us today on Mormon Stories Podcast and Gay Mormon Stories Podcast. To check out the video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Mormon Stories. To continue the conversation or to keep these podcasts alive through a financial contribution, please check us out at mormonstories.org and gaymormonstories.org. And thanks for listening. Come, come, ye saints, no toil nor labor fear, but with joy 
journey may appear grace shall be as your day Send your, your hearts will swell. 